Hey, everybody, this is Pastor Luke McDonald, and this is the Good News in the Neighborhood podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. You're going to find two things in this feed in this season. You're going to find Sunday sermons from our church in Palatine, Illinois, and you're going to find an occasional little piece of content that is towards our initiative to try to help our church read the Bible more regularly. It's called Good With Our Bibles. We're trying to read the Bible regularly, and we're trying to interpret it accurately. And that's what you're going to find in this feed. We are a multi-ethnic Bible teaching life-giving church. This is our little theme song that you're hearing in the background. And uh, it helps us, anything you do, rating the podcast, sharing it, all that stuff helps the word get out. We're not trying to build the name of a church. We're trying to build the name of Jesus in our little local community. And if you found this, I hope it's useful to you. Thank you. Let's listen now. We are uh, jumping back today into the book of Acts. We started right after Easter and studied the first nine chapters. We took a little break uh, in the middle of the summer, and now we're back to it today. If you have a Bible, I hope you'll turn to the book of Acts in chapter 9. I hope you'll turn to the book of Acts in chapter 9. I uh, am thinking, you're good, thanks, Jake. I'm thinking uh, I was with a bunch of people yesterday uh, at a football game where it was homecoming, and on Friday night, I went to the homecoming game at uh, Kristen and I's old high school, friend high school down the street here in Palatine. Uh, and I was thinking about the time when her and I went to the homecoming dance. Uh, it was 20 years ago, I guess right around now, that we went to the homecoming dance. And uh, it was, you know, I was kind of raised in a little bit, my family was a little more conservative back at that time. And uh, my parents were not really into, like, the high school dance scene. They thought it was, like, you know, all just, all the things you can imagine. And so... Uh, but Kristen had been kind of coming around the scene in our family, and, and my, my parents liked Kristen. She was a lot more wholesome and, and good than I was, am, or will be. And so uh, she came kind of like without me knowing to my parents, were like, hey, like, you know, I would really like it if Luke and I could go to the dance together, and, and you know, we'll be home on time and we'll behave. Or, or I don't know what she said. I wasn't there. But then all of a sudden the word came kind of back around. It was like, well, school and all this stuff is maybe bad, but not so bad if it's with her was kind of the way it happened. And so this is a picture that I brought of her and I at the homecoming dance 20 years ago. Um, I think the two most important things to note there for sure are the, that curl. I don't know what exactly to say about that. Um, I saw, and you, you can't really tell, but that was during that, um, I was wearing like a satin shirt with a matching satin tie. It was that Regis, remember that thing when it was like the solid color shirt and tie thing that was really big at the time? I don't know, it all comes back at some point. Um, but the only way that I got to do this thing Okay, that's enough with the picture, enough with the picture. It's just, uh, the only way that I got to do this thing was because she went on my behalf and secured it being permissible. In that moment, in a very fun, lighthearted way, she was an advocate. And the message today is about the power of an advocate. Uh, an advocate is someone who steps into a space on behalf of someone else not because they get something out of it, but because someone else needs something. I want to show it to you in the book of Acts in chapter 9, and my hope is that by the end of this message, you're going to believe that you need to be an advocate for some people around you. So I'll just read, and I'm starting now in verse 20. Uh, right where we left off is this big hinge point of the book of Acts where Saul, the greatest opponent of the Christian faith, has been radically converted on the road to Damascus, and now he's been saved. So like the guy that no one could possibly think was saved is now saved, and that was what it says. And immediately, he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues, saying, he is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? And 
Has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. Now, when many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him, but his disciples took him by night and led him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. And when he'd come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the disciples, apostles, and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up, walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It multiplied. Uh, this is a, a little section, and Luke, Luke, the writer of the book of Acts, does this often. This is a section where he's kind of gathering up where we've been and pushing us to where we're going. You know when you watch those uh, like binge TV shows, they do that little kind of remember from the last time, little two minutes at the beginning, and it's kind of like in case you were dozing off last night when you were watching episode 9, here's what you need to know to get into episode 10. That's kind of what's happening here. It was The rest of the book of Acts is the story of what Saul turned Paul did in bringing the gospel to the whole world, fulfilling Jesus' mission. And the only way that that was able to happen is because of this moment right here where Barnabas steps into a void, advocates for Saul, Paul, and then the gospel multiplies. So I wanted to show you four things that I see in this text that I think are useful to all of us today. And the first one is this. Reputations are hard to shed. Sometimes we need an advocate. Notice back at the beginning of our story here in verse 20 that Paul, like the moment he was converted, it says immediately he started proclaiming Jesus. And I've always, as a, some people have this testimony. Maybe you do. Some people have this testimony where it's like, I was going along and like I was, you know, murdering people for a living and, and, and selling drugs and I was like one of the worst, you know, the worst people in the world. And then all of a sudden, Jesus saved me. And then it was like, Runaway freight train the opposite direction. I was never the same, and it was amazing. Some people have that testimony, and I love those testimonies. If I'm being honest, my testimony is more like three steps forward, uh, like 2.9 steps back, you know, two steps forward. Anyone have a little bit more? So who's, anyone got like the, I, I love this idea that he could just dramatically change, but for me it's been a little bit more step, start, step, start. Anybody got that one? It's mostly the late service people I know who are a little more sketchy like that, uh, or the people who didn't come today because of the rain. <laughs> But God miraculously changes this person, and his strident, aggressive certainty is no longer being used to destroy the kingdom of God. It's now being used to build it. And it says that immediately he started to preach, and the people who heard it were amazed. That word is like, uh, they found it incredible, but they were also befuddled by it. And they said, no, wait a second, isn't this the... Isn't this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem and all the people who called on his name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But because Saul had power from God, he was increasing all the more in strength. But we see here this truth right there. Reputations are hard to shed. Most often we treat people like who we knew them to be back then. And all of us find it hard to treat people who they are trying to be or are in the present. Reputations are hard to kick. 
you may find this, like, do you ever have a picture, maybe when you're on social media, pop up with some person you knew way back when, and your instinct is to hate them? Because, like, something they said to you, like, in high school or, like, in church group 20 years ago, and you're like, well, our instinct is to believe that people are always going to keep being the same way they've been, yet we want the permission to keep on growing and changing and getting better. Why is that? We see it here in the text. It's actually like a really, really commonly understood psychological idea. It's called confirmation bias. You may know about this, you may not. But confirmation bias is the tendency to interpret new evidence as confirmation of someone's existing beliefs or theories. If you didn't know about confirmation bias before, here's how you know about it now. This is what happened with masks during COVID. Is somewhere at the beginning, people decided masks are gonna save lives or someone decided masks are the government trying to step on my freedom or maybe somewhere in the middle. But almost without exclusion, whatever people decided at the beginning, every single thing they would read in the news and every single thing they would hear and every single thing they would experience and every single thing the school board or the government would say wouldn't cause them to say, maybe I was wrong, I should re-examine what did it cause them to do? To just push more into certainty about what they already thought. There's people in the room that if I showed you like a video of the current president or the one before him, like running into a, a fiery house and, and saving eight babies and kittens running out, you would look at it if it's the guy you don't like, and be like, what's he doing? Well, he had to get that on video, huh? Saving all those kids' lives. Because, because and, we, and I'm not, we're just, we're like this as people. We tend to see things now as evidence of what I already thought before. The willingness to allow people to grow and change is a critical component of Christian community. If people have to be the person they were back then, Christian community cannot become what it is. And I'll just, we're going, I guess, doing a lot of voting this morning. Anybody else other than me want the permission to be a different and stronger follower of Jesus than you were when you were 16 or 26 or 36 or 46 or 56? We're here because we're saying, God got me here, but I want to keep going. I want to keep going. And the willingness to allow people to believe when people say they want to change, to believe them, is the only way that Saul turns Paul has the ability to change the whole world for Jesus. We have to allow people to grow and change. So the text continues. So when many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. Now you got to just know this. Some people have those personalities that like, always provoke extreme reactions. Saul Paul is one of these people. His kind of thing is he kind of like rolls into town, lights everything on fire, everyone's excited, and then soon enough all that fire turns into people with torches chasing him out of town. He's just got that. Some people are like this. I have uh, at least one in my household. Uh, he's playing in a football game right now in the rain. I'm certain he's yelling at someone. So after a little while, the team that he used to play for, Saul, now, they're, the Jews, they're all trying to kill him. But do you see at verse 24, their plot became known to Saul. And they were watching the gates day and night order to kill him. Imagine a small city with walls around it. And they're saying, we're not going to let him out of town. When we find him, we're going to kill him. But his disciples, so by this time he's been teaching for long enough to have gathered some people around him. They took him by night and they let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. Two. Danger is hard to avoid. Sometimes we need an advocate. How does the danger become known to Saul? Someone telling him out of protection. 
So just imagine if the Jewish people in this city of Damascus were willing to kill Saul because of his preaching, what were they willing to do to his disciples who helped him? Probably something similar, right? Yet these people, because of their commitment now to this guy who used to hate them, now is serving them. Their commitment to him was so strong that they put themselves at risk by putting him in a basket. If you're a student of the scriptures, this has echoes of what happened with Rahab and the two spies. And God's man being in a basket has echoes of Moses in the Nile River. And if you're a student of scripture, over time these things start to pop out to you. But the point is that these people were willing to put themselves at personal risk to help Saul get out of town to keep on doing his mission. Advocates are people who take personal risk to help someone who's down. If it didn't cost you anything, you're not doing anything at all. You're only advocating, what are we saying? Stepping in to do something for someone else who needs it. You're only a true advocate if you take personal risk to help someone who's down. Uh, I think a lot of us have come to see the problem with this. We live in this age where people think that posting something on social media means you're helping with the problem, you know? It's like, oh, I, I, I posted something. I mean, yeah, I helped. Yeah, but like what, I mean. You're not actually stepping in to help someone unless you do something that you're taking a risk or it costs you something. Who are people that need advocates in our world and culture? Vulnerable children need advocates. People with a criminal record in their past need advocates. Sometimes women in really, really conservative churches or environments, frankly, need advocates. People with disabilities, uh, the elderly, especially the elderly who are poor. People who don't always have the ability to stand for themselves need someone to take personal risk to stand with them. What's happening here is Paul couldn't get out of town. I guess it was like too high of a wall. I'm just trying to imagine it. It really happened. So I guess the wall was too high for him to just like dive out the window. So he needed some people to lower him out of the window. He was in a position of vulnerability and he needed an advocate to stand because danger is hard to avoid. And I wonder how many people there are around your life. Remember, this is what we're working on here as a church at Good News in the Neighborhood. The things that are happening in other countries and other places, they matter, and those people matter to God. But we're trying to grow and not giving too much of our compassion to things that we can do nothing about, and instead trying to give our energy to things that we can do something about. Most of the problems in our world today, you and I cannot do anything about. And so we kind of fall into this trap of like, maybe I'll just like say something, or thoughts and prayers go out to the, what, or whatever, instead of noticing the people right around us who are in need right now. Some of us need an advocate, someone to stand up and help. So the text continues now. This is kind of the main section, I think, of the story. Let me just read it to you again. So he's made it out of Damascus now, and now it says, verse 26, And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. Just imagine what that was like. So back in Acts chapter 6-7, Saul watched as Stephen, one of the leaders of the church, was killed with stones. And the disciples and the apostles and all the people all knew about it. But now he's been saved, we think, from the way the text reads and something else that's in Galatians, that it's been about three years since he was saved and he's been preaching. What are the chances that all the people in Jerusalem had heard about what happened to town over when this guy who was the worst now had become part of the team? 
who thinks everybody had probably heard about it, for sure. And now he shows up, and he just kind of like walks in. I wonder what person could walk through the back doors of that room right now, right into this room, who you would, if you turned around, because you know how in this church, everyone seems to make a little bit too much noise when they come in and out of the door. Have you noticed that? Very noisy we all are. Uh, and do you see how I just never make a face? No matter how noisy it is, I just smile like I don't even notice. I wonder who could walk in that back door right now. And if you turned and looked over your shoulder, you'd think. Your true first thought in your heart would be, what are they doing here? What are they doing here? No, nah, not them. No, nah, not them. I wonder who it would be. I wonder if it's a famous person. I wonder if it's someone you know. I don't know. He had says that he attempted to join the apostles, and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. So these were the best. The 11 who remained after Judas betrayed Jesus, these were the men that God had entrusted to build the whole church. And sometimes when the word disciples is used, it means like the broader group, the core of the church. And they were like, nah, I'm good. Nah, don't believe it. Don't believe it. I've seen this happen before. I've been a pastor quite a long time, and I've had before where someone gets baptized or something, and then you get an email from someone being like, hey, I saw that person get baptized, but like, just so you know, they were this, and they were this, and they were this. Because there's this thing that we all battle. Uh, those of us who've tried our best to honor God with our lives, in various ways we battle this idea that because I have behaved better, I am better, or because I behaved better, I deserve better than this person over here. I've battled that lots in my life. They were like, nah, we're good. Nah, we're good. You see, I'm just, I'm just trying to read the Bible to you. It says, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. Imagine the day that Saul, soon to be Paul, went back to wherever he was staying, and he had tried to join the people that had spent three years with Jesus. And they were like, nah, we're good. We don't believe it about you. If they could do it, we must know about ourselves that we're prone to that judgmental, harsh, nah, you, no, 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 not you. We all have to battle that in various ways. Rejection, this type of rejection that we see here, is impossible to repair on your own. Sometimes we need an advocate. And that's what happens right here. There's nothing that Paul can do to fix this problem. It says, but Barnabas took him. Barnabas didn't know Paul any, we don't know of any way that he knew him any different than anybody else in the story. He took him and he brought him to the apostles. So that's the main guys now. You can see there from 26 to 27, those verses, we've shifted from the word disciples to apostles. So he got him in with the main people. And he declared to them the story of Paul's conversion, how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. Barnabas was not telling them anything they didn't already know. He was using his personal credibility to force peace. I wonder, I mean, it's crazy to think, but uh, so Salter and Paul has done more to build the kingdom of Jesus over 2,000 years than any other person who's walked this planet. No one has made a greater contribution. Yet Barnabas stood in this one moment at this one time, 
and had this opportunity to connect him to the whole group and to make sure that everything God wanted to happen was going to happen. I wonder if you could believe about your life that your greatest contribution might not be what you do, but it might be that someone that you can connect. There might be someone around you in your life who getting them connected into church, getting them restored back after something really bad that happened, that you may not be the person who makes this incredible contribution that everybody knows about, but you know what you might be able to do is you might be able to help someone who's fallen down get back up, and they may make a contribution bigger than you can possibly imagine. So what he does here, I wasn't telling them anything they didn't already know. He was just using his personal credibility to force peace. I've had this, uh, I'll tell it quick, but it vividly happened for me a few years ago. I was, uh, a few years ago, I was looking for uh, a new job, and I was kind of in a tough transition time, and I was trying to figure out where I was going to go next, and I'll never forget the day I looked down at my phone, and I had this friend, uh, he's preached here this past year, Brian Loritz, he called me on the phone, he said, hey, uh, I know you're in transition, you're looking for something, uh, I have an idea, he said, I have an idea, I uh, have an idea for you, and my idea is that I used to work with this uh, guy, Bishop Palmer, next picture, and uh He's a pastor. That's Bishop right now at, at how I'm doing during this sermon. Um, that was a joke. No, it isn't. He, uh, he said, I have, Brian said, I have this friend, Bishop Palmer. He's a pastor in L.A., and he's looking for uh, a younger white guy to help him diversify his congregation, and I think you would be perfect for it. And he introduced us. And then after he introduced us, uh, I was able to get this job. And Kristen and I, we lived in California for a couple of years, and the Lord did a bunch of great things in our lives, and we were blessed to be part of this congregation. But I never could have got from where I was to this opportunity. It required the person who is in the middle who is willing to connect, who is willing to take the broken pieces and put two things together. This is what people so often need. This is what happens in the text. So Barnabas says, no, no, this guy is one of us. This guy is part of us. This guy's part of our team implied you guys are going to accept him, and that's the way it's going to be. Next verse, verse 28. So Saul went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. All of a sudden, the problem is fixed. The problem is fixed. Why? Well, <laughs> going to the fourth thing. We're just skipping a couple slides there for time purposes, Nick. It's because acceptance and harshness are both contagious. And that's why sometimes you and I need an advocate. So all of a sudden, the disciples switch in like one second from, no, we don't believe in this guy. No, we don't want him. Someone with credibility stands in the middle and says, Dude, don't you know how this guy met Jesus on the road to Damascus? Don't you know how he's been growing and changing? Don't you know? Don't you know? And then all of a sudden, it just says, when it says he went in and out, the idea was he had free reign. He was like the inward, inward, like in the green room, in the inside green room, invited to the party, the after party, the after party, the after party. He was part of the whole thing. He was all the way in. How does that happen? It's because of another phenomenon uh, that's real common. I'm going to put this thing. You don't have to read it all, but it's something called behavioral contagion. And sometimes this happens all over in culture. Sometimes there is a spontaneous unsolicited, uncritical imitation of another person's behavior. This is what happens in culture when we all of a sudden decide a certain song is good or a certain person is bad. We all like to think that we think for ourselves, but often we take cues from someone else and we follow the cues. And so when Barnabas says, no, no, this guy, he's one of us, he's good, all of a sudden the whole group turns around and they're like, I guess he's all right. Yeah. We see this all the time. 
it's, uh, it happens in, in fashion. And uh, I mean, it was like, you know, I, I, like five years ago, you would go all kinds of places and never see anyone's belly button. <laughs> and now, I mean, you can't go anywhere without seeing like all kinds of belly buttons. And there's no meeting. It's just that we so often uncritically copy other people's brands. This happens all the time socially. And if yes, I do understand that most of this sermon is sort of like a meditation on the plot of the movie Mean Girls. I did think of that. If, that, if you're thinking that, I did notice that. I just <laughs> want to put that in. We so often copy the behavior of someone else that we perceive as being someone worth listening to. And so when one person decides, Barnabas, no, this guy's part of the team. I'm going to advocate for him. He's in. All of a sudden, the whole team decides, no, no, yeah, okay, okay, okay. And then thousands and then millions of people are going to spend eternity in heaven because of the work of the Apostle Paul because one person stood up and said, no, no, this guy's not out. Jesus saved him. He's in. And I wonder now, as we're coming towards the end, I wonder who is around you, dear friends. I wonder who is around you that needs an advocate. If right now you're thinking about how much you need someone to advocate for you, that's okay. I understand that may be a real feeling. But the purpose of our time in God's word today is to notice how much power we have to be an advocate for someone else. In little ways and in big ways, I want to give you two examples, and then uh, we're going to sing and we'll be done. So like I told you, guys, I've been telling you, I've been, I got uh, roped into coaching football, and um, sports has such a strong sense of hierarchy and such a strong sense of like the way that we do things and, and all this kind of thing. And uh, some of the other coaches and parents have been complaining that there's this one kid on our team who can never seem to get anywhere on time. Can never seem to get anywhere on time. And I was getting something ready for the rosters and for the games. And I just, uh, and the kid is, is always late, but he comes bouncing in. He's doing his best. He's a real sweet kid. And I was preparing everything for the game. And I noticed that, uh, I was putting all the birth certificates together, and I noticed that this young kid on my team, he has two parents, and both of them were born in 1994, and he's 11 years old, so I'll do quick math. This kid on our football team was born to two parents who were 16 years old, and it like shifted my whole kind of thinking, being like, instead of being low-key annoyed that he was showing up late all the time, to like, this kid is here, and his parents got him signed up for the deal, and they got him there, and they're doing their best to make it work in like a difficult, you know, complicated like thing. I mean, when I was in my late 20s, I couldn't get anywhere on time, let alone get my own kids somewhere on time. And I've been trying in every way that I can. I, you guys know I don't like to use myself as a positive example. I've been trying in every way that I can around our little community, around this team, to say, buzz off. They got them here. Buzz off. They're here. They're here. It's a whole big family full of different people, and they're trying their best. To, and that's just a real small thing, that we can do stuff like that all the time. Someone who needs someone to stand up for them, someone who needs someone to speak for them, and we can be the person to do it. Stop waiting for someone else to come through the door who's going to do the thing that needs to happen. If it's around you and you know about it, you do it. You may say, I'm not that good at talking. Read your Bible. There's tons of people in the Bible that aren't very good at talking. And frankly, sometimes the people that are good at talking are the worst advocates because everybody's used to hearing them talk all the time. If you're a person who doesn't have a lot to say and you have something to say, you won't believe how people pay attention and notice. But it's in small stuff, but it's in big stuff too, right? There's families who have people who haven't talked in a long time and there's ways in which maybe the place that you work is unfair to a certain kind of person. And there's people who, because they went to a church and they were 
pregnant at the wrong time were made to feel like they should never come back. Or There's all kinds of examples. It's, it's about having the eyes to see who around me can't pull themselves up. And so what can I do to stand in the gap? What can I do to stand in the gap? You can't see a better picture than this. The Apostle Paul needed this advocate this one time. And from here, trust me, we're going to be studying him for a long time. He was more than capable of doing what needed to be done from here. But he couldn't solve this problem. The, the people didn't believe that he was really a disciple problem. He couldn't solve, so he needed someone else to step in. And I wonder how many times we don't see God do things that we want him to do for us because we are unwilling to do the things that he has put in front of us. It's, you guys can't believe the difference. If, if we're preaching about you can trust God with the difficult things in your life, you can't believe how everybody's dialed in and they're paying attention and they're praying and they're coming to the front and they're asking, because we all want things to be better for us, don't we? Because we all want things to be better for us. But where we sometimes struggle and we live in a selfish culture and a selfish generation and we so easily, so often focus on, I didn't feel like it, it's raining today, I don't know, man, man, man. cool, okay. But God gave you the eyes that he gave you to see. He put you in the place that you're working right now, even if you don't like where it are. He put you on the block that you're living on and in the family that you're in and even the broken pieces all around you that you're like, I would give anything to trade that part. He put you right there and he didn't put you there on accident and he didn't put you there not knowing what was next. He put you there because he's got something for you there and the thing that he has for you there may be that you need to step up and advocate for someone else who needs it. And so I wonder, dear friends, what power, what blessing might come into your life as you stop always being for what is in it for me and have eyes to see what's in it for the people around you. That's what I came to say today. Let's pray together. So Lord, we're asking Lord, we're asking that you would open our eyes and you'd help us to see the ways that you want us to advocate for someone else. Give us grace, Lord. We trust you today. We're asking for your help today. We need you today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, let's stand. We're going to sing one more song before we're done. This has been the Good News Neighborhood Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the song. I hope it's been helpful to you. We'll see you again soon. This is Good News.